Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts, here on a Tuesday morning. Gentlemen, we have gotten through to the other side of the spring. Does it, uh, does it feel like you've entered a bit of a quiet period as it relates to Nebraska football and athletics? Probably not Brunts, but maybe more so BC and I. What's that supposed to mean? Well, <laughs> feels like you've been that seemed like didn't it seem like Brunts? I was maybe a way of saying it feels like you're taking it pretty easy over there. Buddy. Yeah, are you in a? <laughs> why did you just ask him if he was sitting in a hammock right now? <laughs> I was not implying anything. I'm just saying Brunts is over here covering 13 inning baseball games. Yes, and I are drinking my ties by the pool. Yeah, he's covering Noblis bats over here, and we're that's for the next segment. I know, but um. Yeah, I, I guess so. You're right. I mean, this is sort of I'm I'm on jury duty next week and uh, I have I've agreed to do it. So I've the, decided the podcast is going to be exciting next week. BC is going to be spilling the beans on his jury duty. Yeah, I should do it from the little uh, break room there. Um, their little coffee room. See if see if we can arrange it like when they give us like a 20 minute session to get a snack. We could pound something out. I could give you some case specifics. When it comes to when it comes time to deliberate, just duck out and, and do a quick segment of the podcast. Let us know how things are going. <laughs> your number four thinks he's guilty, but I don't. <laughs> do you have your Do you have your paperback novel picked out that you're going to take while you wait? It's a lot of waiting. <laughs> that does seem like it does seem like it has to be paperback novel that the juror always has. Like in the movie, there's somebody who has it, and it's never a hardcover book that they're reading. And it's frequently like a Harlequin romance novel. I think you need yeah. to take you need to take a romance novel, perhaps thematic in some way for um, what what you're going to be doing there. Like, I don't know what's what's a good Harlequin romance <laughs> novel title for like ju- judge and jury. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, I mean that that works for me. You also recommended me watching uh, Pauly Shore's movie Jury Duty uh, as prep study, so I'll I'll get that that work in too. That that took me down a very dark and sad Pauly Shore rabbit hole last week. So um, yeah, I I would I would probably not put Jury Duty in my top three <laughs> of Pauly Shore Pauly Shore movies. Was go- was Google or YouTube was a search box? Did it respond? Are you sure? <laughs> Like when you type that in, the the references like you would have had to have lived through the OJ trial to get probably half of the references that are in the trailer of Jury Duty. It was it was right around it was right mid nineties basically then. It was basically like some some writer probably in the midst of watching the OJ trial very haphazardly threw together a script. Thought we need to do we need to get Polly Shore on this vehicle. And that, that's how that movie was made. You said it was a top three Pauly Shore movie. And I, I could only name Encino Man. So that, the fact that you could name three, three Pauly Shore movies is impressive. You, you, you have seen more Pauly Shore movies than you're willing to admit. I can, I can assure you of this. Probably. Probably. I mean, you, you've seen the classic Biodome, I'm sure. I don't think so. Don't think so. Well, that's definitely important in Brunson's top three list. Biodome was on that and Sino Man. Um, in the Army Now was also a Polly oh, yeah. Shore th- movie. I think I did see that one. Uh, son-in-law. Yeah, son-in-law. Um, 
trying to think there, who else. There's a lot. There's a lot of mileage to be gained by being Mitzi Shore's son. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think if there's any other big ones that uh, come to mind immediately. I don't think so. There's probably somebody listening to this podcast right now screaming at the whatever device they're listening on that we're missing a Pauly Shore movie. Maybe not. Or, or several saying, stop talking about yeah. Pauly Shore. <laughs> Get on with it. <laughs> you guys aren't going to believe this, but this is at least the second time in the last two months that I've been talking about Pauly Shore for over five minutes. So it's, uh, it's a topic that, that is just on the airwaves right now. <laughs> it's a quiet time. Quiet time brings you to Pauly Shore. Pauly Shore is not a quiet man, though. So, <laughs> All right. All so right. I've got a question for you. All a football-related right. football question to get, get us on topic here. This isn't a wheel question? No. I, I, the wheel's staying in the closet for now. I'll break it out in the summer, though. That's a okay. summertime wheel. So Nebraska is now done with spring football, as you know. Who who on that roster do you feel differently about now than you did at the end of March, start of April when things got rolling? Go ahead, Schaefer. I uh, I have a couple of them, but I'll only say one because I don't want to I don't want to take anything from anybody. But the the easy one for me would be Gabe Irvin because I didn't have him in my super six. I thought he was an interesting guy, but I didn't think that he was going to be someone that was going to have a big role in the 2021 season. I felt like Nebraska went and got Marquis step in part because they didn't love exactly what they had in the running back room. And they needed a little bit more experience, which I thought would come, uh, you know, at some of the playing time that Irvin might've had in in a year in which you don't take a transfer running back. And he did the most important thing you can do in the spring. He was healthy, which meant he got to be there and, and got a ton of reps. And he produced when he got those reps. And you hear Ryan Held and Scott Frost talk about him. And they refer to him as dependable, reliable, someone that they, uh, that they feel comfortable with running all parts of the offense, someone that isn't afraid to, to step into any kind of situation and, and do what he can do. And, and he showed them that he can handle it physically, but also that there's a maturity and a mental level there that frankly, I think if you read between the lines, Nebraska hasn't had a lot of that in their running back room at times. So I, I think they were really impressed with Gabe Urban and therefore I came away impressed with Gabe Urban. And that's a guy that is probably going to look like a big miss for me when I go back and I assess how I rank that 2021 group. Cause I don't know if I had him in the top 10 players and he might be the guy who plays the most right off the bat. That's a good one. Um, I mean, Omar Manning, just the fact that in the couple Saturdays we were able to go over there, we see him running around and he's like, okay, yeah, he's, he's legit. Like he's got the size and um, the way he breaks on the ball and can go get it. You, You know what I mean? He's got all the tools and I'm not, saying I'm not in the crowd that wants to see this can, you know, you want to be like in the middle of August and he's out there every day and the same stuff's happening. That part has to occur, but right now it's okay to, uh, to be positive that um, we didn't sort of know where that thing was. And it was kind of hazy all of last fall and winter. And uh, you know, there he was at the spring game running a 50 yard route and 
he dropped it, but I think you saw the the possibilities there at least. And so that I, I think it was very encouraging that, that he sort of not only developed and was out there, but he was out there with the top unit in the first series. And that tells you something. There was one guy, I felt like all spring, you know, a lot of the focus was rightly on the offensive side of the ball with all the questions that they had there, especially the skill positions and, you know, defense was just a deep group that, you know, you, you've got a lot of veterans and it's seemingly in, trending in the right direction. But the one guy who I think really stood out to me just for how different he looked and, you know, because of that, the, the potential that he has is, is Damian Daniels. Mm. Um, you know, he looks significantly different physically than he did uh, the, the last time we got to see him. Um and, and I mean, maybe, you know, it kind of transformed things a little bit last fall, but obviously we're in, we weren't around. But, you know, throughout his career, Daniels has kind of flashed at times where you're like, holy crap, this is like a perfect 3-4 nose and a guy that can be really dominant. But, you know, he hasn't been able to, you know, stay on the field for long stretches of time because of the conditioning stuff. I, I think I, I think he – still benefited from his brother being here for a year and, and, and kind of transformed himself that way. But, you know, if he's a guy that you can get more snaps out of, I think he can be a really big force for that defense in the middle. And they've got options there, but I, I mean, Brian, I, I think you'll agree with me that when he, you know, came out to talk at the end of spring, it was like, you know, everybody kind of jokes about the nickname snacks, but he really did look like a completely different person. He's done with snacks. Yeah, Snacks is dead. Yeah. Um, Did the Nebraska media kill Snacks? The Nebraska media asked too much about Snacks, probably. Yeah, it, it like it came out <laughs> that people, for whatever reason, just really wanted to to make it a thing and, and ask him about it. And then I think he just had to, he had to bury it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and, you know, it, it also – I mean, there was a point in his career – he, he gave the numbers. He was like 340 plus at one point in his career. And he's leaving the spring was about 315 and had lost 15 pounds. And Brunts is absolutely right. When you stood next to him, uh, it was so obvious. Like he's just a different looking guy. And he had sort of, I think, put to bed the narrative last fall that he couldn't be a, I don't know if every down guy, but he was, he could go 45 snaps against Iowa. It wasn't like he had to tap out after 15 snaps anymore. And so now I think he can maybe even take that a step further and, you know, 45 snaps can be an every week occurrence. Maybe, I don't know. And then you throw in some Jordan Riley, um, some Nash Huttmacher, you can move some other guys in there. You've got a, a nice little rotation at that spot going. Um, I think that's a very good answer. Um, I'd throw one else, one other one out there. He didn't come up a lot this spring, but the more I heard about his story last fall, Phil Darius Payne is a guy I'm really curious about now. Just because, I mean, he caught COVID before last season, right after he got here, lost a lot of weight. I think he was dealing with another injury he was coming back from. So he really had no lead up time and was sick before camp began. And he was still out there the first game against Ohio state at a different position. And he made a couple plays against the Buckeyes and you're kind of like, Oh, this is a guy to watch. And that was with like no runway. 
And so I'm pretty interested to see what he can do now that he has a full runway and what that looks like. Get anybody yeah, else, yeah. Schaefer? Yeah, I got, I got one. I'm surprised no one said this yet, but I don't think any of us were talking about Matt Sichterman at the end of March. And he may not be the guy that ends up with the job necessarily uh, when we get to the, the Illinois game, but he certainly emerged more in the conversation than some of the other names that we were discussing at that time. And it, it's still a very open battle, but it's nice to see a guy that remember Matt Sichterman day brunts when, yeah. when Mike Cavanaugh and everyone were wearing his number on a, on a shirt during a practice. Cause he was visiting. I believe um, the only, the only players that had their own days on visits, it was him and, and Jody Lewis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, two very different careers. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> they certainly they, they certainly went in opposite directions at some point. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it's a it's a good thing for Matt Sichterman. That's we get a lot of people who wonder sometimes what happens to these guys when they don't necessarily become the players that you expect that they're going to be within two years in the program. And sometimes it takes a little time. You got to develop. You got to you got to mature a little bit. And, and Sichterman seems very comfortable with who he is and, and what he's doing and, and the time that he's put in. And, and I think that it stands out to Greg Austin and to that offensive line room right now. And so again, will he be the starter? I don't know, but that wasn't a guy I was talking about when we were talking Nebraska's offensive line and what we wanted to see this spring. And so I, I feel like that's certainly someone uh, worth bringing up. Yeah, that's a good one. I think he's going to start the opener. I mean, Banks, Banksy could push him, but uh, but I, I actually think he's got a leg up right now. I got I got one other one, and it, and it, I think this was more this was my own kind of bias, I guess that that I was I was being really kind of I wasn't wanting to drink the Kool Aid before seeing and, and hearing things, but I, I think that Samori Ture. Um, is going to be a huge factor for Nebraska. I mean, that, that became obvious um, after seeing him in practice and in the spring game. I, I think there was part of me that was a little skeptical about the, the FCS level production, even though, you know, it was there uh, obviously, but, you know, he's every bit of six, three, he is, you know, the fact that he can play in the slot, I think is huge because it allows you to, you know, keep the other bigger wide receivers on the, on the field with him. And, you know, he, he's that kind of guy too, that, you know, I, I think he ha has a good view of kind of what's ahead of him. Um, I, I think that he's been able to adjust to things pretty um, easily. I mean, he just seems like a guy that, that gets it. So I, I was, going into the spring thinking, okay, you know, maybe he, he pushes a little bit here or there, but I mean, I, I think he's probably, uh, you know, Nebraska's top two wide receiver right now. I mean, just based on the fact that, you know, we don't really know what Omar Manning's situation is going to be come fall. And, you know, Oliver Martin's probably right there in that conversation too, but I, I, I was really impressed um, with, with, you know, everything I saw from him this spring. Yeah, Toure just immediately on that Saturday of the spring game was the first time that I had eyes on him. And, and I mean, just you can tell. He just – he looks more like a receiver than Nebraska's had 
uh, in some time. And I know that's such a dumb statement to say, but he just looked fluid. He looked comfortable. He ran routes over the middle. He, he just, I feel like he's going to be a pretty helpful player for Adrian Martinez. I don't know that he's going to put up Stanley Morgan's numbers from 2018, but I expect him if healthy to be Nebraska's leading receiver this year. I, here's a name. I'm surprised no one said it. And I don't know how much he'll factor into 2021 at all. But did any of us expect Heinrich Harburg to make this big of a jump in his first spring? No, he looked better than I thought he would. Uh, just throwing the ball, and I wasn't down at as a down on him as a prospect. But I I thought it would take a, a year or so uh, for some of his uh, tools to be evident, and uh, he picked things up pretty quickly. It sounds like I don't know how that race stands. It's hard to. I, I think there's sort of an outside view that Harburg could be number two. I, I wouldn't write off Logan Smothers too quickly in that conversation, but I completely agree uh, that Harburg has given him something to think about. And probably his progress is maybe part of the reason they might just stand pat at quarterback because they feel like between Smothers and Harburg, they can have two guys where uh, give them until August and, uh, they can be capable backup guys. And I think that's sort of where they're at right now. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, I, I like Harburg a lot watching him in high school. It's just, I felt like there was a lot he was going to have to get used to and adjust to going from a C one school to big 10 football, but he, he has such physical gifts that it, it's still going to take some time. And, and I think, you know, if Nebraska has their way, he's only playing in mop-up duty in 2021, but he's certainly someone that I am more excited about what it could look like in 2022. than I, I thought he was going to be a two-year guy. Like you were talking 2023 at the earliest. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way anymore. And I, I think he had a nice spring as well. Brunt, any final names you want to throw out there? Uh, one young guy that, that I think always gets a lot of, intrigue from fans um just because i mean he was a four-star guy and you know it didn't really have much of a senior year of high school plays gunnerson um he had that kind of flash play in the in the spring game uh against turner corcoran i thought that seeing him in practices he, he looks he's he's a, he's a member of the all bus team i mean he looks like a the type, the type of outside linebacker that a school like Wisconsin would trot out and he would just terrorize big 10 teams for two or three years. Um, obviously a very full depth chart at those spots um, this season and even, you know, next year too, a little bit, but uh, I, I think I was curious to see how he looked moving around because of the, the past hip issues. And I thought that you know, he, he looks like a guy that with more development could, could help Nebraska. The young D lineman did well too. Um, guys who aren't going to play this year, but Buckley and Marquise Black, I think had good springs and they played pretty well in the spring game when I kind of went back and watched it a little bit and Huttmacher did also. So kind of to that theme, there, there's this group of guys who they don't have to force into the circle this year. Uh, obviously those guys would love to be there, but it's a better spot than Nebraska has been at defensively in a while where we have seen guys get forced in there before they should be. I think of Deandre Thomas always like being out there right away, playing the nose, like in week two, 
and he just wasn't meant to do that at that point. And that it's, you know, it's different right now with guys where they, they have a couple of years to sort of figure things out and work their way in to get like eight to 10 snaps, maybe a game and then go from there. So that's a positive. Yeah. I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. That defensive line group. I mean, they didn't have to use many guys last year so they could get by with Ty Robinson, Casey Rogers, Ben Stilley, Damian Daniels for the most part, but they actually have some pretty good depth there. And, and I'm imagining in a full season, we're going to see, more of them uh, going forward as well, too. All right, let's let's uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to discuss Nebraska baseball. they got a big upcoming weekend series against Northwestern. They just took three out of four in the dumbest pod that's ever existed in all time. Brunt will explain why the Big Ten put teams in a place that doesn't have lights. Uh, it you know, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but Brunt probably has the answers to that. And we'll dive into where Nebraska baseball sits with a couple big series left. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. You're listening to the show that loves to talk about knobless bats, brunts. Here's a couple, uh, you know, take as much time as you need to explain the concept of a knobless bat, why it's illegal, and why the hell anyone has one. Well, I mean, can we just talk about the the seventh inning of, of yesterday's uh, baseball game with the Rutgers? I mean, that, that we absolutely can, because we'll we'll get to the knobs because the knob the knobs played a pretty key role in the just stupidity of the seventh inning in that game. So Nebraska's playing in a four game pod with the Rutgers. For those that that don't know, or they just finished it up, Nebraska scores six runs in the first inning. Uh, and then the offense basically goes cold. It's six to three going into the seventh inning, Nebraska leading. And within that inning, I want to make sure I get, get everything correct here. So Nebraska is, is, is in the field. Rutgers is batting and just an, uh, just thinking about it now, it's just unbelievable that this happened. Um, let me get my list here. So Nebraska gets a strikeout and catcher Griffin Everett throws the first base and they catch the Rutgers base runner off of um, first base and he's tagged out. The, the umpires decide to get together and talk for two or three minutes about what happened and decided that there was interference on the play um, and award the Rutgers um, – 
hitter or runner second base because of the interference. It was a total, you know, nothing play that happens probably 10 times whenever there's a sliding runner and the ball coming to the same base. And a guy from across the, the infield decides that it was actually interference. So the inning moves on. Um, they end up getting uh, another runner on base. So you've got first and second. And also in that inning, the umpire, the home plate umpire called a strike because he said that the Rutgers batter did not get out of the way of a pitch that hit him. But the problem was, is that the pitch didn't actually hit the batter. Um, so that happened. Um, and then later a Rutgers hitter grounds out, which would have been the third out of the inning, um, had the, uh, interference call not been made and come to find out the guy's bat did not have a knob on the bottom. So he was using an illegal bat, uh, something that Nebraska pointed out, the guys called out both runners are sent back to their previous bases. And then the next at bat Rutgers hits a three run home run to tie the game. And then it ultimately goes into 13 innings with Nebraska winning. So in a span of about five minutes, you had just an absolute terrible call on the base pass, a horrible call at home plate, a knobless bat being used and a three run home run. So that was basically the, uh, the way that Monday went and Nebraska ended up winning um, by using 15 position players, nine pitchers and just scoring the winning run um, before they had to leave to go to the airport because of the, uh, the curfew. So how did you feel about the strike call on the pitch that Bryce Matthews stole second on? Uh, I'm trying to remember it because Nick Hanley was just out of his mind about it. Yeah. It well the, the, I, I saw the pitch. It was absolutely terrible. Yeah. Right. No, it, it was just like in the batter's box of the left-handed hitter. Yeah. I mean, it, it was totally like as much as Kansas city Royals fans were just losing their minds about how bad angel Hernandez was last week. Like this crew just completely surpassed that. <laughs> so long story short, Nebraska wins the game. They go three and one in in New Jersey, um, in that pod and including one win over Indiana, they split with Indiana. So after being swept last weekend at home by Rutgers, Nebraska was able to, to write the ship a little bit, which is a positive with, you know, this week being the week when they're going to select the 20 host potential host sites and whittle that down to 16, um, for, for the start of the NCAA tournament. But, um, you know, there's a lot of hand wringing, um, you know, people kind of climbing up on the ledge about Nebraska baseball last weekend. And, you know, they, they found a way to get it done in a, uh, a pretty difficult pod in New Jersey. Here is the Nebraska or not Nebraska. Here's a Big Ten baseball standings as it sits right now. Are you reading them off the Big Ten site? Is it wrong? I, I, you might want to check their accuracy because they don't get updated all the time. <laughs> Okay, so what site should I use? Uh, I think D1 baseballs are generally correct. So Silly me trying to use the conference site for their standings, especially for a sport like baseball. Which these, pretty- these actually do look correct. They have been updated. All right, so I'm going to go back to it because I yeah. know where they are. Yeah. So you have Indiana at 23 and 10. 
You have Nebraska at 23 and 11. You have Michigan at 23 and 12. You have Iowa at 21 and 14. You have Maryland at 21 and 14. Nebraska has played four of those schools. Um, They've only played Indiana twice, and they have a series against Michigan coming up. They're currently in second place. And then you have Ohio State and Rutgers. Rutgers, despite series wins over Nebraska and Michigan, is just 17 and 17 on the year. Uh, this this certainly seems like a conference where it'd be really nice if there was a Big Ten baseball tournament and if these teams had the opportunity to play out of conference games because it's been pretty competitive this year, despite the fact that uh, you know the Big Ten tried to neuter its own conference. It's it's actually worked out pretty well for the Big Ten, all things considered, because you you do have a group of teams that have separated themselves, like like the Big Ten right now is a three-bid league with Iowa and Maryland kind of knocking on the door. And I think Maryland, I, I believe Maryland has the has an easier road into the clubhouse than the rest of the schools. So maybe Iowa too. But um, they're probably going to get four teams in. So it, it, it actually, in spite of all of the stupidity of the Big Ten uh, with the way that they handled this baseball year, it might actually end up working out. I have to say, though, after just the absolute crap storm of yesterday's game, I could only imagine if you know Nebraska and Rutgers had to play in the big in a Big Ten tournament with you know like elimination on them on the line, because I don't think that there's a ton of love lost between these two teams. Uh, you kind of got that sense in Lincoln that that it was running a little hot. And then you had the way that yesterday kind of went, just throw gas on that too. So it's a, it's a shame that we're not going to get to see that again. But um, yeah, it's it's I, I do think that it's actually shaping up okay for the Big Ten in spite of everything that they tried to do this year. Does Nebraska baseball have a baseball rival in the conference? Because the closest for me would be like Michigan, but that's largely just because Jack Blomgren lost his mind several times. Uh, and uh, I can't think of the, the guy from Minnesota, third baseman, whose name uh, played for Nebraska. Cannot think of his name. Altavilla. Yes. He played into it a lot, too. That's the closest I can think of, of like, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a history there. I, I would like Nebraska baseball to have like a, you know, a bit of a back and forth with a team. I, I think a few years ago, I would have said like Indiana or Ohio State, like it seemed like Nebraska and Ohio State always played really tight games when there was like something on the line. Nebraska I, walked them off three straight times that one year. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that there's just one team that like Nebraska just gets after. I My sense is that Nebraska probably doesn't have a lot of fans or, around the conference because they're not afraid to chirp a little bit. Um, and I, I think that that gets noticed. Like, <laughs> so I think that's probably the best way to put it. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's necessarily one team that I would, I would identify, but uh, yeah, they, 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 they're a, they're a scrappy bunch. They play a little red ass at times and that's, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, well, that kind of describes their coach, so I think that kind of fits too. Yeah, and, it, and it's totally fine to play that way as long as you can back it up. Yeah. What do they have to do, you think, Bruns, with 10 games left 
I know, obviously you want to win the conference. It's there. You can grab it, go get it. But let's put that aside for a second. I've always thought if this, I don't know. Did you think this team was going to make the tournament before the year started? I mean, I feel like that uh, you're playing with house money when you get there for this season, that would be just amazing after the COVID thing, if they were just in the tournament, but what do they have to do in the last 10 games to just lock up a bid there you think, and not just fall off the cliff and lose that. Yeah, I mean, I, so Northwestern is coming up this weekend. They've had COVID issues and haven't played the last two weekends. Um, I think that week should that, – that series should be played. We'll see. But, I mean, you, you got to win that series for sure. Uh, sweep would be great. Then you have another pod in Bloomington where you've got two against Indiana, two against Ohio State. I think if you split that and you take one or two against Michigan to, to end the season, I mean, I, I think that's a pretty, a pretty good, you know, finish. I mean, a, a, a seven and three, six and four finish, I think you'd be fine um, depending on, depending on what those four losses are. Um, so we'll see, but I mean, it, you know, Nebraska does have a chance, you know, to, to hold, to win the damn thing. Um, yeah with who they play. So, um, but yeah, I mean, with, with the, the way that the top three teams are scheduled going into the finish, I mean, that you could see, you know, quite a bit of change in the standings. Cause I, I mean, a lot of the better teams still have to play the other better teams. Yeah. It'd be special if that last weekend you have like a three-way tie going into it. I mean, that'd be a lot of fun. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, you've got Michigan at home. I mean, I, I can only imagine, uh, what what that atmosphere is going to be like um although it is kind of shades of 2019 right yeah i mean i i I guess that it is kind of odd that that first friday game against michigan's at noon um you'd kind of like that to be like a 6 30 start if you could people will go though they'll they'll have a big crowd for that still people will come ray they will people will come all right well off of that (laughs) pertination uh, it might be time for us to go. Any closing thoughts here? Uh, yes, just one. Make sure there's a knob on your bat. <laughs> What's the advantage of not having one? I, I don't know. Um, I, you know, a lot of guys – Schaefer mentioned this off air, but, I mean, I know a lot of guys, at least in the pros, are going to the axe, which is kind of like the, the half knob. But mm. – uh, the, the guy that, that had the novelist bat, uh, Richie Schaffer, uh, had been two for three in that game before, uh, the, the, before the bat was discovered, or at least uh, the umpires were notified. So, Did he protest it strongly? or? Uh, I, <laughs> I think it was more disbelief that, uh, that, that it was happening. But, um, yeah, I don't know. He didn't, like, he didn't go like George Brett Tynepar uh, – pine tar on it yeah sorry i don't need to keep it going i i i'll ask more questions about the knob off the air (laughs) (laughs) anyway wrap it up (laughs) with that we are pleased to give you everything we have here today with the husker 24 7 podcast anything extra you can find at husker 24 7 uh we have recruiting stuff still going we have baseball coverage. We have football coverage. I know that we're going to start rolling. It's it's dangerously close to list season. 
and okay. uh, I think we're we're inching towards starting our own. So we're going to have some series mm-hmm. and, and some good content for people here the rest of the month. So be sure to check that out. And we will be back with you next time here at the Husker 24-7 podcast. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.